Hello and welcome to Accountable Arizona Election 2022. Today I talked to Lorena Austin, who is running for House of Representatives in LD9. Lorena's energy is contagious. We talked about what it means to run for office in a district that is brand new, her favorite Mesa spots, and how she hopes to better a community that her and her family have lived in for generations. My name is Lorena Austin. I'm running for House Representatives in the new legislative district number nine here in Arizona, and that pretty much covers West Mesa and two precincts in Tempe. Awesome. Uh, and are you originally from Arizona? I am. So I was born, super proud to be born here in Mesa, uh, right across the street from where I work at Mesa Community College. But my family has actually lived here for 100 years, literally in this district. So a mile away from us is where uh, my family uh, is from, but we've been in Arizona since the 1860s. So could not be, I think, more Arizona if yeah. I, I tried, but... Um, You're perfect. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. I know my community and my family was always very involved and continued to be active in our community. So my nana thought that the little tiendita grocery store called Albert's Market in the segregated uh, part of Mesa at that time, the Washington Escobar Park neighborhood. My father was born there. Um, and so when we think about, you know, complexities and, you know, racism in our communities, like it wasn't that long ago. My dad couldn't even swim in the public pool. Um, so it's it's been a very uh, humbling experience too, but also, you know, that is just the reality of our history here, but also super proud that my family continued to always advance issues for minorities in our community. My father's a civil rights attorney. Um, my mom's a social worker and teacher, so, um, it's probably no surprise yeah, <laughs> I'm running for office. Well, aside from family, what else makes you love Arizona? I also live different places, so not just here, so I think it's really given me an appreciation coming back and, and really, um, once again, reintroducing myself in a way to community through a new lens, right? And so I love the diversity of it. I love that we have different perspectives about things. I love the many cultures that are here in Mesa, and I think a lot of people don't realize how diverse we are here in West Mesa. Um, some people don't come past the 101. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I really, really, I think what's so interesting to me is people are surprised. I think sometimes they come to Mesa and like, I'm Mesa's biggest fan, so I show them everything. Um, but I know the local businesses, and I know like where to go, or that you know, novel ice cream is right in this kind of secluded little corridor that's really neat, you know? I just love Mesa. I love the programming sometimes we have that our community comes out to Pioneer Park. Uh, the Mesa Arts Center has been really great. Um, downtown? Downtown has is, is just changed so much. Um, but still recognizing that we want to keep it as local as possible. And so, but I think that's been a very intentional, but I think it's super important to understand how do we retain the people that, you know, have called this place home for so long. Right. Because they deserve to, to stay here and live here. And afford. Um, and afford here. Like myself, I'm in that category. So I don't make, uh, I work multiple jobs. I don't make zero dollars, but now I don't make enough to buy a house in my own community. And that is really disheartening. And yeah. so that's something I'm looking forward to um, advocating on behalf of you know, our residents here. You touched on a few different communities. Yeah. What communities do you hold close to your heart or do you credit to getting uh, you where you're at today? Well, culturally, I think is really important to me, just my history and 
Um, but I've also part of different educational communities, but I think, you know, what's important to me is really uh, working together with people that I've made really close relationships with. So that means like, who we're advocating for our unsheltered population. Like I know who's actually doing, you know, some of that work out of his van, you know, um, there's other, so I know who's helping like small businesses and like, you know, trying to help them thrive and develop. And I know who's doing community outreach and uh, advocacy with uh, different programs and organizations. So I love that, I just love my community. I love that I walk down the street every day and I know somebody. Right. Like I know if it's not the business owners, like literally you could walk with me right now and I, I know people and that's not to um, think highly of myself. That's not that, but I just love the relationships that I've created here and it means so much to me. Like I, I, I love it. I feel like it speaks to your roots. Like yeah, it's so, just, yeah, yeah. You've done the work and yeah. you know your community. That's what I say. Like, I actually work here. I actually live here. I volunteer here. And if I, you know, wasn't elected, I'd be doing the same exact work. Like, that will not stop. Right. just look different. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of some of that work, if elected, yeah. how do you plan on using your position of power to help our underserved communities? Uh, by building trust. I mean, there's so many people that have really just written off um, government politicians. And I don't blame them, I don't, because I know that so for so long they haven't advocated or shown up. And so my big thing is showing up and building that trust. And I think you also have to know communities too. You can't just go in there and be like, this is what I think you should do. No, like you need to tell me what's going on, the things that I'm not actively here every single day seeing. Um, so I want to provide that transparency, but I want to build trust and I want to be a bridge for resources that I think aren't getting to our communities because we don't have that relationship. Right. And so I want people to know that despite, you know, maybe the differences or uh, on, a, on topics or opinions that we might have, like I want to be someone that you know you can at least have like a constructive conversation with and I'm not just going to dismiss you because I think you don't believe in the same thing that I do. Right. So often we're all told vote, right? We yeah. have to vote, we have to vote, and it's obviously a very important part mm -hmm. in a de democratic process. Uh, but what else do you think voters can do to help hold Arizona's elected officials accountable? Um, I think by, you know, really thinking critically and trying to understand the issues that are at play, but I know that that's also equally hard because we don't write policy in a way that people can understand it. So why people say, well, you gotta get involved, you gotta understand that, you gotta do those things. But also like we have to create pathways to help people understand what's really going on. I feel like so many times people just vote against themselves because yeah. they see an ad or they you know, see something on social media. So, but also creating a generation of really critical thinkers. Like because we have access to so much information, it, it can be hard to get you know, something wrong or have all this misinformation yeah. in front of you and it looks real. Especially working full time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah, and two people don't have the time sometimes, and so we have to, I think, be creative, and we have to come to them, and really explain and break it down in a way that this is what this means. So it's hard. I think it is hard. It's not. I don't have a perfect answer. I'm like, oh, I know what you yeah. can do, <laughs> because I think we don't make it easy. So I get it. Amen. I get why people, you know, maybe aren't as active. I get why people have slammed doors in my face and said, "You don't care. They don't. What have, you know? They don't care about me. They've never done anything for me." But I do believe in like advocating for communities. I believe in using your voice. I think everything we do is political. 
you know, I mean, we live, you know, situations every day, like who gets healthcare, who doesn't, you know, who has access to public transportation, um, or really well-funded public education, um, where you spend your money, you know, it's political. So, you know, I've talked to people and said, I'm not really political, but I'm really passionate about this issue. I'm like, oh, you're political. (laughs) I hate to tell you, but, but I think if we think about it that way, I think people just are so, they feel like their voice doesn't matter. And you know what? I I get that too, and I know people. Some people call for drastic changes, and I'm all about change. I'm not adverse to change, but currently, in like the next less than a month, we have till early ballots drop. This is what we have, yeah. and so I'm not saying it's perfect, and the law is not just, and right. there's so many things we could be doing. But right now, in my own opinion, this is like the best thing we can do to make sure that we're advocating and we have a good shot. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too. People are really paying attention. They're galvanized. Um, they want to know more. And you know, using your voice and your power and your vote is the best way to do that. So I get it, but it's one of those things that, as a community and as a people, like we we really have to utilize the system that we're currently in, even if it's not perfect. So it's this thing that we keep fighting, right? Like I come from a family of people that have just the time and a time. You get put down, but you have to keep going forward. So my family says, adelante, siempre adelante. And it means forward, always forward. So it's tough, but it's just something that, you know, we have to do. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, I feel like thinking about it is, it gets complicated, right? Because we're not all carrying the same weight. Sure, but sure. But we can all help lift a little bit with, our help lift our community with some of the things on the ballot. Like, sure. Uh, get 310 and 308 mixed up because <laughs> I know what they're both are but I don't uh, but getting dreamers yeah. uh, in state tuition 308, yeah. 308 would be huge and that isn't a oh I have to vote for this one person right yeah it's, it's something that will really you know just help our community as a whole and so I think too also too I think and and we're now in this like very sh- um, instant gratification like short-term mindset I like both ends. Like I understand the short term, but I think we really need to be thinking long term, investing in our community, and that's something that I hope to bring to. It's not just I come to talk to you once. Yeah. Um, I've already visited a few people's houses twice, which is nice. <laughs> so like, oh, you're back. I'm like, well, I told you. I don't. I don't want to be that person that just comes the week before election and says, please vote for me. Because why should you? Yeah. They don't know me. <laughs> yeah. But I think we have to start thinking long term about really investing in our communities. And also, like, building that next generation of, of leaders because, you know, that transition is equally important. And understanding that the generation behind me is going to have very different ideas of what they want. Like, I love young – they're so cool. Like, young people are amazing because they have so much access to information, but they seem to just be so communal. Like, they care. They are true advocates. But young people, like, are responsible for every large social movement pretty much. Yeah. Like, they are the driving force behind it. And we've seen it time and time and again. They want, you know, change, and I just, and I admire them. I think they're incredible. So yeah. I'm super excited. And brave. They're yeah. so brave, and they're unapologetic. Yes. So I was just talking to that group of students today, yeah. and I said that, and they were just like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "They are." And so I think that's something else that is really inspiring. Like, damn, if they can be unapologetic, like a lot of us can afford to be unapologetic. I agree. Yeah. Inspirational, or finding inspiration. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If elected, uh, how do you plan on being available to your constituents? 
Gosh, I hope I hope as much as I can. I think too. I, I'm first time, so I have no idea. Yeah, that's what fair. It's gonna I think look that's like. And again, I don't want to make these grand promises, but like I hope to show up in the ways that I've continued to, and that does mean working a little bit harder to make sure you attend certain events or are available to people that want to speak to you. I've learned, like being a candidate, like man, car time means that's when you're on the phone. Like yeah. <laughs> you're still working, like you pop in the Bluetooth, and you know, it just doesn't stop. And so this life is very demanding but it's rewarding and it's something that i don't regret one bit because if i wasn't going to advocate for my community like who was and so i think it's super important so in terms of availability i just don't know like right. i don't know what it's like like i hear i think i think we get fridays i don't know <laughs> like, is it casual like, friday is it, is it weekends like cool so then the weekends i'll plan to like be available or like you know things that i would love to do is have like community chats all the time that you can just come talk to me and and tell me what you're thinking and like you know it's like big block of cheese day you know yeah. i like it <laughs> something like a little west wing style i really hope to be as available as i imagine in my mind <laughs> love it and i'm sure constituents yeah. will as well i keep telling you like i'm ready to move i'm just gonna uh... <laughs> oh to ld9 yeah oh well, well come on down um, between LD9 and LD24, just split. Uh, yes, I mean, but uh, I love people. It's so cool. So much character. Um, one of the, I feel like Phoenix has a lot of, I don't know, East Valley just is a lot less or, or like, I don't know, I don't want to yeah, get into it, but no. there's so much character in I think we, Mesa. yeah, tried to, yeah, I think we've done a good job, but I think my biggest concern, though, is that it's not going to look this way in the next few years if we can't figure out, like, how we win. Right. So, like, my community is disappearing, like, before my eyes, unfortunately. And I just don't think we're doing a good job of, like, really advocating yeah. for our for the people that want to call this place home. Right. Like, their kids can't even afford to live in the space and place. Again, I'm one yeah. of them. I know yeah. we touched on it earlier. No rent control. There's no rent control. There's nothing. There's no protections. There's no legal aid for evictions and you know I grew up um, I grew up for a short time in California um, with my mother and we faced she's as a single mom we faced you know evictions I had to move like every year and I think we don't think about you know 30 days to uproot someone's entire life is really hard yeah it's stressful it's you know it affects our health like think of healthcare in that way like you know and, and we have just such burdensome systems to for getting access to resources it's just hard like but i think we could do other things too like um, providing that resources on you know, even on eviction notices or whatnot yeah. or having you know court resources or there's just other things that like, we have to be creative i think about how but i think you know that's why i think in a way i'm a good candidate because at least i can have some type of input or i've experienced some of that before um, not with every subject at least with housing, like I can understand how that happens. I can understand. You know, I talk to people who say my rents you know, raised six hundred dollars. I'm like, oh well, did your did your rate of pay raise too? No. <laughs> so how do we expect people to compete with that or to be able to afford you know their home? But they historically have been. Yeah, and like, there's a lot of history to it. To right. why like back to the recession about we don't we never uh, caught up with the amount of housing we needed, and so we have a huge crisis and shortage of housing. Right. There's there's just a lot of those little things too. And so, um, like again, these are really complex like situations that entail much more than just like a 
perfect solution. Right. But I also don't want to put like a band-aid on anything either. Right. So I'm also interested. I can't wait to get to the state legislature because I'm going to learn so much. And so I'm sure my own ideas right now, what I think is the solution will change. Yeah. Based on the information I get. Um, so one of the reasons that inspired me to do this podcast was a response that there isn't a lot to be excited about on Arizona's ballot. Mm. Unfortunately, it's a midterm, and I could very easily. There's so much. I know. I, I need people to get excited. Yes. What are some of the things you're excited to vote for in November, or who? The people. Who yeah. I mean, we have, like, man, Julie Gunnagal. Woo! That woman. She's great. Like, she's. I met her. So I'm a first time candidate too. Yeah. So I honestly didn't know a lot of these people. But they've been wonderful. Julie's amazing. There's also some awesome new representative elects um, in Phoenix that are young, they're committed. They are part of our community. So we're seeing a lot of people who are like actually from these communities, yes. you know, who aren't career politicians, who are young, who are just invigorated and, and excited to bring a new perspective. So I'm excited about so many candidates that I even know personally, like went to college with some of them. That's great. Um, Community again. Community right? again. And it's just really, it's exciting. We have some amazing candidates on the ballot this year. Up and down. Like, and, and obviously bottoms up. Like, yeah. please vote. <laughs> Left, right, like, diagonal. Like here in Mesa, we have Jacob Martinez, who's running for Mesa Public Schools. Oh, okay. And he would literally be the first Latino to ever sit on the board for Mesa Public Schools, wow. which is unreal when you think about yeah. it. Because that's the highest population of students, Latina, and so we've never had it in just decades and decades. Like that is the wildest thing to me. So he, and he's young and he's uh, got amazing ideas. He's a product of our public school system. Yeah. Like he's incredible. He works so hard and would be great. So um, yeah, school I'm just board really, oh, please y'all. So important. <laughs> Very important. Um, Marcy Hutchinson's running for election for school board. So Marcy and Jacob are just incredible. Uh, and our teachers like supporting our te I'm excited to really try and actually support our public school teachers. Like I wouldn't be on this ballot without some of them who were just yeah. like, you, you want to help us support us. Like we'll help you. They're the hardest working people and we ask them every single year to advocate just for funds so they can just teach. Yeah. And they are amazing teachers. They have put so much work into it. I mean, they're educated. Yeah. <laughs> and so just the fact that we're doing such a disservice to them, I'm really excited to get to the state. But, you know, all these things that I want to do is not going to happen. Like, I think, you know, again, I'm not trying to make these promises where people say, you said you're going to do this in the legislature, but actually I can't if, and we can't, if we don't, you know, tie, at least tie or flip it. So that's why LD9 is so important because we're two brand new seats. There's no mathematical pathway to tying or flipping the legislature without LD9, which is why I'm like sounding the alarm. Please yeah. come past the 101. Like, we need help. This is the most competitive district in the state. Yeah, and even if you don't live in LD9, exactly. you can help. That's what I'm saying. Come yeah. come on down. Like, I'll walk with you. <laughs> you see the Navajo ice cream? Yes, you'll see. Yeah, you'll see, you'll see our ice cream shops. I'll take you around on Thursdays. We do like a Thirsty Thursday campus, oh, canvas where we go um, canvas and then we go, uh, you know, to an establishment here and hang out and we can talk about just to hang what? out or if you have any questions, like, we're open yeah. to talking about it. But anything helps we have canvases every day literally every day uh five to seven and then on the weekends we have morning canvases as well so it's literally crunch time so for anyone that was like 
I want to help you. Yeah. Uh, it's now. Yeah. <laughs> if it's a small donation, and honestly, anything helps. These are like grassroots efforts, or yeah. if you can literally give us two hours of your time, once it's for between Arizona. now. Yeah, it's literally for the yeah the well being, the well being, and the democracy. Like democracy runs through Arizona, literally as a state and as a nation. Like Arizona, you live in the most important state um, in terms of elections this year. One of them. Yeah. So it's not to discredit everyone else, but these, right. this is the swings, like yeah, swing state, swing, swing district. district. Yeah, this is this is it. So, um, and it's a midterm, and so I know that makes it equally a little bit more difficult. But it's it's now <laughs> or never. <laughs> Before we're not able to vote. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's very true. We submitted like ten percent of the voter suppression bills this last year in the country. Yeah, that's a lot. And there's even more on. There's 50 states, and we submitted 10, like 10% 10 of the voters. They wouldn't be trying to take it away if it didn't mean something. Yeah, and I think that shows you too, like people are working very hard because they understand like for the past 30 years, we've had the same party in control. And changes. And changes. At the door. Yeah. So, <laughs> not enough. Yeah, it's, yeah, not <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, so they know, and um, but we're prepared to take it to task. Last question. Uh, real fun one. Yeah. Um, so Arizona, unfortunately, has a pretty long history of white supremacy, as oh. we were touching on earlier. Yeah. Um, and some could say, like, we're really seeing it bubble back up. You could argue it's never gone away in the first place. Uh, what do you think, how does any average person, quote unquote, help stand up and fight? I think you have to be, I'm all about context and history. Yeah. Like you have to do the work in learning about how the past affects the present, right? Yeah. And how it'll affect the future. But also I understand too, like it took me until going to college and I had a very specific, I went to a school of transborder studies, like which is, you know, I got my degree in immigration policy and half of that you know degree was like you can't understand what's happening if you don't understand the historical context of how we got here that includes cultural history um, policy you know history of policy and so um, again I, I understand why people might not you know know the best avenue and how to be advocates but um, I really think taking that time to um, to learn <laughs> and understand how we got here will give you that much more elevation to understand how you can advocate, best advocate for different groups or whatever issue you're passionate about. Um, and you can ask somebody like for a recommendation, like, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, cool, you know what? Like, I have so many books I could refer you to yeah. right now that are just really good at explaining, you know, how we got here. But also like, so I'm real big also on just narratives, like having that alternative narrative because there's three sides to every story, yeah. <laughs> right? So. Um, and we know that we only get one version of it, and that's why this has been happening for so long. So, and I think too, people, you know, they're so adverse to that because when you grow up in a space and place that just tells you that this is the best place in the world, like, then you can't question it, right? Yeah. And that's the intent, I think, well, personal opinion, yeah. that just, why would you question the greatest place you know, in the world, but then you look globally at these other places and you're like, wait a minute, like they do all these things, but they culturally they have, but yeah, they have healthcare, you know, they have good wages, but also they have major culture shifts. You know, they don't, 
necessarily, you know, they're very <laughs> um, communal. <laughs> like, you understand that you might not have a billion dollars <laughs> because, because other people also need, you know, resources. So again, it's just a whole paradigm shift yeah. in these different spaces and places. So I think, and that's hard to do. And it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. Like, but not that almost especially as a white person. Yeah. <laughs> not what I meant. But, but I think it's, yeah. we have such an individualistic society yes. that it's then a fault of self yeah. for not being yeah. aware. And then people don't want to feel bad or they feel like it's their fault. And it's not, but you have a space in upholding some of these things yeah. that continue to oppress other groups of people. So it's not saying this is your fault. Billy. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's just we're part of this system, and so how can you use your um, your space to help elevate others? Right. So it's like a both and. Like yes, we need to let you know people from these communities advocate for ourselves and take the lead on these things, but we also need other people to advocate on our behalf too. So it's a this you know joint union that we need to push us forward. But I would say, man, like learning the other narrative is just so important because you never had it. Right. And so that's hard too. And it's a difficult thing sometimes to realize and reflect like, oh, like there's a lot that has transpired and I wasn't aware of it, but that really, you know, um, discredits this other group of people or really, you know, that's the reason why they might not have had access to the things that I did or it's just so systemic and it's, it's so historical. So, it's still, it's still <laughs> like, even before Arizona was a state, which is an interesting, like, thing to navigate, right, yeah. of like all these awful things we were doing before yeah. we could officially yeah. blame Arizona yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then still uphold them. Yeah. But, but history. History. Like, I'm a history yeah. nerd, like hardcore. So We'll have to compare books yeah. <laughs> at some point. Yeah, that's, yeah, so for me, I loved learning about everything and it really challenged me like a queer brown person who some would think that didn't show anything. I'm like, no, I didn't grow up. Because again, it didn't teach. So I just, it's it's incredible what um, like history can, can help you learn. Yeah. Not just the one you get taught in your, your high school. Yes. Uh, so last, um, I'll give you the floor. Last message you want to leave listeners, voters with. Come to LD9. <laughs> LD9. Um, LD9. 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 No, I think that, you know, I, again, I know my community and I know that my community is not one that, um, you know, buys into this, you know, racist rhetoric, rhetoric and agenda um, that only wants to ser serve a certain faction of people. Like, that's not why I'm running to do that. I'm running because I believe in our community. Like, I believe in us and I know that we want what's best for LD9. And, but I do think there's a lot of work to do and I'm willing to do that work. Like I will show up, I've continued to show up and I'll do that no matter what happens because I believe in, um, at least if I can't you know, build that relationship as a legislator, I can, I've now met so many people and interacted with so many groups and organizations that now I can start, I love connecting people too. So I can start making this connection. You know who I know over here? You all should work with them because I met them and great connection. Yeah. Boom. Like I don't need to take credit for right. any of these things. That's, and that's definitely not why I do it. I love just sitting back and watching 
you know, something transpire and no one knowing that I might have played the tiniest little part in it. But in all honesty, we need, we do need help. Like there's a sense of urgency here and I can't be more loud about it. Like we, anything, like if it's, like I said, a small donation, if it's text banking, phone banking, um, knocking doors, I will walk with you yeah. to, <laughs> to make sure, but that's the, that's the ask. And, um, Cause if we don't, the alternative is not going to support our public education. Um, it's not going to protect trans kids. It's not. Uh, it's not going to do what's best for our community. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You heard it here first, folks. We need to mobilize to get Lorena elected for the sake of Legislative District Nine. You can learn more about how you can help Lorena's campaign at her website, even if you don't live in LD9. Her website is Lorena, L-O-R-E-N-A, the number four, Arizona.com. Again, Lorena for Arizona.com. I also have more resources linked at our website. Thank you for listening and stay accountable, Arizona. Thank you to local artist Junk Dior for our intro and outro music.